One of the worst things that I can have when I know is when I'm preaching is a lot of time to think about it. And uh, it was about three weeks ago, I felt the tug of the Lord that I was supposed to share something today. And that's like the worst thing for me to have, you know, over, I, I'll overthink things, but I just, uh, I just got into the word. I just really studied a lot of the Passover, like the first Passover, you know, Jesus at Passover. Uh, I, studied, I read every scripture I could find around that theme, and I came away with the incredible hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. I know we, we talk about hope a lot at Christmas time, which, hey, it's all, if we read, I'm going to share a scripture with you about hope, and it's an in-season and out-of-season kind of thing. But then as I started digging into it and reflecting on my own life, I realized something has kind of gotten in the way. And the message that I want to share today is hype, hope, honey. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hype, hope, or honey. You see, when I think about Easter, we have to go back to Good Friday. And I have this picture of Jesus having a collision with all the evil of hell. There was a collision that took place on the cross. And there was a collision between life and death. There was a collision between two authorities. There was a collision of utter darkness. There was a collision of shame, death, and all evil, past, present, and future on that cross. And they collided with the king of glory. They collided with life. And for a moment, it looked like evil had had its way. It looked like death. It, had a, it was a dark, dark moment. It says in scripture that even as, as Jesus was arrested, that even those closest to him, every one of them betrayed him in a sense and deserted him, right? We know about Judas's betrayal, but we don't realize that in some way, each of those disciples betrayed Jesus when, they needed, when he needed them the most. So there Jesus is. And I, I love, this week has really encouraged me to think about how the authority of earth gave Jesus a death sentence, right? The people of earth shouted out, give us Barabbas, let his blood be on our hands. There was an agreement on earth and there was an authority on earth that said, let Jesus die. And I love that all of the authority of evil, hell and earth bowed down three days later when our father spoke and Jesus came victoriously out of the grave. And I want to encourage you today that when we celebrate Easter today, it is a season of tremendous hope. How many of you know the world is a really dark place and evil is doing some stuff in our midst? Evil is making wars break out. Evil has an agenda in politics that we're seeing. Evil is doing what evil does. 
but we know what happens three days later. And that is our living hope, Christ Jesus. And I want to read the scripture to you all as I was looking in. We actually shared the scripture several times from 1 Peter. And we use it a lot when we're talking about evangelism. 1 Peter 3, we're going to start at verse 13. And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet, with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. I want to bring your attention to what it is we're bringing an offense to. And I want to encourage you that only those who actually have hope are the ones who are ready in season and out of season because the hope that we have in Christ is a living hope that doesn't change with the seasons. Check this out. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope. It's not a defending of your faith. You're actually defending the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. If you don't have a hope, this doesn't apply to you. And a lot of us, we get caught up with this because when we don't have hope, we have hype. And hype isn't going to get the job done in this culture. There's a lot of hype in our culture. How many of you have been to a pep rally before? I woke up this morning thinking about my middle school, Topsail Middle School, TMS. TMS back in the day, and we would have these pep rallies. But like deep down, all of us knew that we were probably going to lose. <laughs> TMS wasn't that great, but there was a lot of hype. It was exciting for a while. The little confetti things were going, and they would throw out some candy or something. But when we got on the football field or the basketball field, we left pretty embarrassed. In this scripture, in our, in our Christianity today, and I'm not just talking at you, I'm talking with you. The Lord had me reflecting on what in me is actually hope and what in me is actually hype. You see, the, the disciples, they saw Jesus do incredible things. But when things started to shake out, you see them absolutely run for fear. You actually see Peter deny Jesus. And it says like one of them was like a slave girl or something. Like, what is she going to do? But like he ran scared. And I realized if we're bringing hype to the world, if we're living with hype that we're calling hope, there's no wonder 
that we're just like my middle school team when we get out into the real world and we're discouraged and we're beat up and we're full of fear. How many times does Jesus say, fear not? And what do we do? We look at the next headline and we get fearful. How many times does the Lord say, don't be afraid, don't be worried, don't be anxious? And what do we do when some circumstance happens? We get worried, we get afraid, and we get anxious. That should tell you right there that part of what you're calling hope is actually hype. Because circumstances should not shake the living hope that you have in Christ Jesus. You should be able, no matter what the circumstance is, of your bank account, of your workplace, of anything that's going on around you, always be ready to give a defense for the hope that you have. You're not going to be able to do that if it's just hype. What does this have to do with honey? (laughs) A couple months ago, actually, I was looking for something, and I found this packet no, I'm not casting any shade on Church's Chicken. You know, they got some good jalapeno bombers over there. But I found this packet at Church's Chicken. It's called honey sauce. I'm like, honey sauce? What the heck is it? How many of you all know, if you look at the ingredients, there is no honey in this stuff? <laughs> it's got like kind of the same color as honey. But it's like sugar, corn syrup, caramel coloring, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. It's like honey sauce, right? And I'm like, that, I don't know what, you know, when things kind of get your attention, you're like, that's just weird or Lord, are you trying to speak to me? So then I went in my cabinet and my wife is all about getting local honey because it says that local honey's got like stuff in it that's good for you. Anyway, anyway, I looked at the ingredients on this one and guess what the ingredients in this one are? Honey. Honey. <laughs> honey. And I, I like to suggest to you for, you know, example sake, this is hype. This is hope. Hype, hope. Are we a honey Christian or a honey sauce Christian? Come on now. Are we a honey sauce Christian or are we a honey Christian? Because honey Christians are going to have a hope no matter what. Honey Christians are going to be like the people who see their God and are locked eyes and their steadfast fixed eyes on Jesus and are not going to be shaken. And they're going to be the people that are like, why aren't you guys afraid? Don't you know there's an economic collapse happening? Why are you giving your money away? Honey, <laughs> why? Why are you, that guy just hit you on the cheek? Why did you turn the other cheek? What? A honey sauce Christian isn't going to do that. A honey sauce Christian is going to allow the cares of this world to choke out the seed of the kingdom of God that has been placed in you by His Holy Spirit. Do you guys know that in, the, in, in Matthew when they're talking about the sower and the seed? It's actually the seed. It says it, the seed of the kingdom. It's the seed of the kingdom. And when that seed gets in us, it takes over everything. That seed is full of living hope. That seed is Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is a living hope. When we have a living hope, we don't need hype. 
When we have a living hope, we don't need church to be a pep rally. When we have, oh, wow. Do you know who needs resurrection power? Only people who have died. You don't need resurrection power if you're not dead. Honey Christians aren't, honey sauce Christians aren't going to die. Honey sauce Christians are going to try to do it in their own strength and they're going to try to fake it and they're going to try to whatever they do. But a honey Christian is going to lay down their life because they know in baptism we are laid down in death with Christ and we are the ones who can only function through the resurrection power of Jesus. Resurrection power is only for people who have willingly laid down their lives and in belief and faith have surrendered and submitted themselves to death that we might be raised to life with Christ in glory. And I'm realizing more and more that there are parts of me that are still trying to kick and scream and be alive. And the Lord's like, he's getting them. He's getting those places. And the closer... I get to the Lord, the, the more I realize how alive some of these things are. And I want to be completely like, Lord, I want to be completely, completely submitted, surrendered, and submerged in the baptism of death. So that is your resurrection life that comes. Because that's what this world needs. This world needs people who are joining Christ in his death and his resurrection. You know, Jesus says, I have authority to do two things. He has a bunch of authority. But the first thing he says about authority that I, I read is like, he has authority to lay his life down. You know that? I forgot, I exactly, forgot exactly where it is, but Jesus says, I have all authority. And with my authority, I lay my life down. And with that same authority, I pick my life back up again. Honey sauce Christians want to talk about authority all day long and they want to use authority to wheel, deal, and blah, blah, blah. But they never want to use that authority to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and lay their lives down. We have a living hope. I'm going to read this to you all from 1 Peter. Chapter one, it's very familiar, but I feel like this is such a beautiful scripture for, for today. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Are, gra are grace and peace yours in fullest measure? I, want, I realize this can come across as a very mean message, but this is, a, this is a message to invite you, to invite me, to invite us out of hype and into hope. Only you know what's really going on when you turn the news on. Only you know what's going on inside of you when bad news comes across your text message. Only you know what's going on when life comes at you a little bit harder and more discouraging than you'd like for it to. 
you know if you're operating in grace and peace to the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to what? A living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith. (laughs) I've been a Christian since I was 15, and I'm realizing that these basic things that I skip over are the most powerful things. You know, some of the most dangerous scriptures and the most dangerous concepts are the ones that we've gotten too familiar with. I've said this before, but I remember my, my carpentry teacher would say to us, do you know what the most dangerous tool in the wood shop is? And not the person. He said, it's the tool that you're the most familiar with because you approach it with much more laxity. See, there is this massive table saw in our, uh, in our carpentry class, and that thing was loud. You ever been around a table saw before? And it gets even louder when it's cutting wood. And he, was, he had this special little block that when you're ripping, it was like two feet long so that your fingers would never get near the table saw. You use this block so that you're always just honoring the power of this table saw. And I love that little block. I never wanted my fingers anywhere near that block. I mean, near that blade. And I was like, where's my block? Where's my block? Where's my block? But I saw some of the upperclassmen They've been in carpentry class for a year or two. And I noticed something. They weren't using the block anymore. Let's pretend this is the blade. These guys are taking the wood and doing this with it. I mean, coming a quarter of an inch away from this blade. What happened? Familiarity. Familiarity is what happened. So when I read scriptures like the ones who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, we're like, oh, yeah, that's good. Whoa, no. This is evidence of why we have a living hope. If you have, if you can read this and still have fear, then you have read this with too much familiarity. And I feel like the Lord is calling us back to reread this with an open heart. When we look at the cross and we look at Easter and we look at the resurrection and we're like, oh, that's a great story. Yes. Now let me get on to the deeper things like, uh, uh, you know, the gifts of the spirit and all these other things. No, 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 no. We've lost something. We've missed something. If, if our passion is not derived from Christ's passion, we don't have passion, we have hype. At worst, we have religion. I believe we will see some of the most ridiculous evangelistic outreaches when our passion is actually the passion of the Christ and not the passion for ministry. When we get a revelation 
of all that we have and all that was secured for us, then we will see an evangelistic outreach like you have never seen before. Verse 6, I like how we started our, our uh, ended worship today with this. And in this, you greatly rejoice. Amen. When was the last time you greatly rejoiced about this? About this life-changing, life-giving gospel? In this, we greatly rejoice, even though for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. You know what I love to do? I love to greatly rejoice in the midst of various trials. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to greatly rejoice with your eyes locked on Jesus in the midst of various trials. Distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that right there is the reason why we have breath. It's for the praise, the honor, and the glory of Jesus Christ. That as he is revealed he is praised, he is honored, and he is glorified. As I was praying about this message, it didn't really seem like it was coming, like it fit, but I just want to share this with you. As I was, I had like a little sickness yesterday and I was praying and just, I've been, I believe that there is a revival that's about to take place in, in the world, right? So it's, a, it's a very, it's a, it's a pretty popular subject right now. There are a lot of people talking about revival and I believe it. I believe that revival is going to take place, but it's not going to take place because we have hype. It's going to take place because we have hope, Amen. right? And I heard the Lord, I feel like it was a phrase that the Lord whispered to me as I was praying. It said, revival will happen when creation gets what it's groaning for. And I was like, instantly I'm thinking about this, this scripture from Romans. It says this in, verse eight, in chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons, and I will also include daughters of God. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and the daughters of God. Now skip down to verse 19. For the anxious longing of creation awaits eagerly for the revealing of who? The sons and daughters of God. What is creation groaning and longing for? They are not groaning and longing 
for a honey sauce Christian. They are not groaning and longing for a hype Christian. They're not groaning and longing for a new bumper sticker or a nice t-shirt. They are literally longing and groaning for the ones who are led by the Spirit of God to be revealed. Revival will take place and will happen when creation gets what it's groaning for. And it's groaning for us to surrender all and I will follow the lamb wherever he goes. And I will pay whatever the cost. You see, not long before Jesus was crucified, there's two stories that are back to back. There's the story of the woman who came in at the dinner party and she began to anoint Jesus's feet, right? And broke off, broke open a very expensive bottle of olive per- perfume. And Jesus is like, Do not criticize her. What she's done is going to be talked about everywhere the gospel is preached. Such sacrifice. And then the very next story, I believe this is in Matthew 26. The very next story, I never noticed this until I was doing all this looking at the later days of Jesus' life in the book of Matthew. The very next story, so it says in 26 verse 13, Truly I say to you, Jesus says, that the gospel is preached, that anywhere the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done shall also be spoken of in memory of her. Verse 14 begins, Then one of the twelve named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me? To deliver Jesus. Do you see the crazy contrast of these events? You've got this woman here saying, I don't care what the cost is of this perfume. I'm willing to do it, lay it all out. I don't care what I have to give. I just want to anoint the Savior. I want to anoint the Messiah. And then the very next picture that we see is someone not asking, what can I give? But what's he asking? What can I get? What can I get to betray Jesus? And I believe that when we're living without hope and when we live with hype, we always ask the question, what is this going to give me? What what is this fellowship time going to give for me? What can I get from this? But when we're living with hope, I believe we're asking the question, what can I give to the one who gave it all? Hype always makes me want more hype. Hype always wants me thinking about myself and making me feel good and making me have a good day and making everybody else feel sorry for me and I just need to pick me up, blah, 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 blah. And you've got this woman who's not worried about any of that, not worrying about how she's being perceived or looked at, not worrying about the fact that she could have used that money for something practical. She's using what she had to do something absolutely supernatural. And to do something that nobody else had the opportunity to do. When we are led by the spirit of God's sons and daughters, we're not asking the question, what can I get? 
If we want to see revival, we have to stop asking the question, what can I get? And start asking the question, what can I give? And you are in the company of the Lord Jesus who said, Father, if there's a possibility that this cup could be passed from me, take it away, but not my will, but your will be done. When Jesus had given everything that he had, he gave his life. I want to read this to you all. I felt like I... These two stories have two completely and opposite reactions to Jesus. One asked the question, what can I give? And the other asked the question, what can I get? One response is there is no price too great for my Lord. The other response was 30 pieces of silver. One is marked by deep devotion the other is marked by the deepest form of betrayal. One person, sorry, one prepares him for crucifixion while the other one sells him into crucifixion. It was the one who witnessed Jesus' teachings and talks. It was the one who saw the miracles performed that betrayed him. You see, hearing without doing always leads to betrayal. Understanding the teaching without total surrender will always lead to betrayal. Witnessing demonstrations of power without repentance always leads to betrayal. As sons and daughters of God, I believe we can learn a lot from the woman who poured out her all on Jesus' feet. You see, she prepared his body. She prepared the Lord Jesus for crucifixion. But we, on this side of the cross, get to prepare the world for his return. And we're not going to prepare this world with hype. We're going to prepare this world the same way that she did by asking the question, what can I give? And our answer being, there is no cost too great. The sons and daughters of God aren't just the ones who get a word for people. We're the ones who get God's heart for them. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, you know he's coming again, right? I love that about Passover because the Passover, the first Passover was a celebration and it was a way to always remember what the Lord had done. But it was also not just something that they did to look back. It was also something that had a forward-looking focus too because there was going to be another Passover lamb that would come. And know you love that. That in the same way Jesus instituted the Last Supper, we get to celebrate all that he's done for us. But it's also in the same aspect, a looking forward again to when he comes in glory. And we are preparing this world for that return. 
And I suggest to you that it is going to be with the same tactics as that woman. It's going to be through radical surrender. And when the Son of Man comes in glory and all of the angels come with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates sheep from goats. Sorry, sheep from goats. <laughs> Sheeps. <sighs> and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you have blessed, you are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Why? For I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. You fed me. For I was thirsty. And you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. What I'm about to say, I mean with all the love in the world, because I believe with all of my heart that we're going to see sick heal. We've already begun to see it. We've shared testimony of powerful healings. But as I was reflecting on this, I couldn't help but feel convicted. I just want to read this to you. Do we pray to get a word for the broken, but never pray to have God's heart for the broken? Do we desire to miraculously heal the sick, but never care for them or visit them? Do we want to prophesy to the naked and the hungry, but not clothe them or feed them? Has revival and phrases like God come in your power and your presence, has it become something that we use for hype only? Because let me tell you, if God were to answer that prayer, it's going to come in the form of just a nice service. It's going to cost us everything. It's going to be inconvenient. How many of you know, inviting strangers in and visiting the sick and visiting the broken and clothing the naked and feeding them, those are inconveniences. Hope Christians have no problem inconveniencing themselves. Hype Christians, whoo, don't mess with that schedule. Hype Christians, oh my goodness. We are so easily offended. Hype, if you don't return a text message fast enough for a hype Christian, they're going to get their feelings hurt. Why don't they like me? Why don't they? I can't believe. I, what? And you're praying for revival? 
I can guarantee you when revival comes, there's going to be a lot of offensive people up in here. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of broken up in here that probably have alcohol on their breath. Who probably have mental disabilities and shame things that they're carrying. And it's going to be messy. And we're called to be the people who have a living hope who are going to clothe them and feed them and love them and give them the gospel that's going to set them free, body, soul, and spirit. Are we like Israel, facing the Red Sea? This is the Israel that just got set free from 430 years of slavery. And they were crying out for someone to deliver them. And God delivered them. Right? These same people that just saw the miraculous. They just saw the power of Pharaoh broken. These people are no longer slaves. They are sons and daughters of God set free to be his people on the earth. These are the victorious ones who just saw their captor, captor humbled and his spirit broken. And now they're free to worship God. And now they are faced with an Egyptian army on one side and the Red Sea on the other. Are we like Israel facing the Red Sea? And are we like the disciples watching Jesus get arrested? Our go-to response is to turn our backs on God as soon as it begins to cost us something or our idolatrous comfort is threatened. What did Israel say when they saw Egypt coming? Why didn't we just stay in Egypt? Wasn't there graves there for us? How many times did Israel say when there was no food? There's plenty of food there. There's no water. Why can't we go back? What? You think God set you free so that your belly could be full and that you could have your plenty? He set you free so that you could be a people on the planet that revealed who he is in the earth. And you made it about you. Hype will always make it about you. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could have hype, church. He died on the cross so that we, as sons and daughters of God, could actually fulfill what creation is groaning for to see us being led by his spirit and to be the Jesus people on the earth that reveal who God truly is. And all will come and they will greatly rejoice because they realize that he had the last word. Death did not have the last word. Evil didn't have the last word. The Father had the last word, and we are the people of Jesus who are living it. And it's not going to be through hype. I'm preaching to myself because I do not like my comfort getting touched. I really don't like when my money gets touched. I really don't like it when my time gets touched. I really don't like it when my nerves get touched. (laughs) I really don't like it when my cheek gets touched. 
And the Lord says to turn the other one. I really don't like walking miles. And the Lord says to walk two of them. If there's ever an Easter message, it should be the one that causes us to respond to Jesus the way Jesus responded to us. By giving his complete all. And in any way, that's the invitation today. That is the invitation today. Anywhere that we have lived like honey sauce, the Lord is calling us to be the pure honey in the earth, the people of Jesus who greatly rejoice in his finished work and minister it to the world around us, the people who have a living hope and are always willing and able to give an example and an argument to why we have that hope. Only you know if you have that hope today. Like I said before, you know what happens when certain headlines come across the news channel. You know what happens when sudden expenses come across your bank account. You know what happens in your heart when you see somebody at the stoplight with a sign up asking for money. I want revival in this land. I want revival in this city. And I want to be the son who is led by the Spirit of God. So I just invite you now, let's just take a minute. We're going to take communion here at the end of this service. Uh, We're going to have a communion table set up at the back. And what we're going to do is uh, kind of go down this way and grab the, uh, the elements and then come back in this way. And then we're going to pray, and we are going to exceedingly rejoice in the body and the blood of Jesus and all that it has accomplished for us. His body is life to us. It is our life. So Holy Spirit, right now, as a people who are called by your great name, as a people that you have set free from the power of sin, as a people who you have set free from the power of death, as a people who say, oh, death, where is your sting? As a people who are possessed by a living hope. We thank you, Father. We humbly say, thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would begin to touch and move and minister. That we would ask the hard question, is there anywhere in me, Holy Spirit, where it's just been hype? Is there anywhere in me where I've literally felt the frustration And I thought it was a demon, but really it was you trying to get my attention so you're not living this thing right. There's an area in you that is not fully submitted to him. Lean into that this morning. Holy Spirit, 
It is all of our desires to be led by you. Lord, if there's anywhere that we have betrayed you, if there's anyone that we didn't stop and clothe or feed or visit, Lord, we repent and we say, Holy Spirit, lead us because we want to get this right. We want to have your heart and your word for these people. If there's anywhere like Judas, I've asked the question, what does this give me? What can I gain from this, Lord? Convict our hearts of that, that we would be like Mary, that we would be like the woman who broke it all, poured it all out on your feet and said, it doesn't matter what it costs. I just want to touch my Savior. As we take communion this morning, Lord, let it be a reminder to us that we are to live for everything that you died for. Let it be a reminder that we have a living hope.